music radio free you see blue skies and think of sea how are you doing and later on switch on TV they give me a news they give half truths to me they give us wise they feed us lies how are children of all ages, how are you? Rick Adams with you today again. Today is December 15th, 2018. Can you believe it? My goodness, where has all the time gone? Well, I know one thing. It's been a long time since uh, we've had this guest on, and he's going to be coming on in just a few moments after my opening and it's been a long time. It's been about a year, actually, one year. And we do this at least once a year with him because it's too important to forget. It cannot be forgotten, and there's always more to add to the account that will be forthcoming. But you know what? To dovetail with all of this, I'd like to begin with the book of Proverbs and the, the wisdom, the readings, the writings, and the knowledge that, saw, that uh, Solomon brought for us today. And uh, King Solomon uh, was uh, quite a scholar, quite a great man in many respects. He had his uh, shortcomings, as you know. He had his uh, failings, as we all do. But uh, the words of wisdom that came forth and the prayers to the Almighty were just absolutely important right now to this day and age in which we live. And so I look at, uh, of course, uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 6, uh, within uh, 16 to 19, those three verses, the things that God hates more than anything, and he names seven of them. But you know, the one that stands out, particularly in light of today's program, is verse 17. He hates a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that are quick to shed blood. These are the things that he despises. In verse 19, a false witness that speaketh lies and that soweth discord among the brethren. Now that also doesn't have to be just the brethren within the, within the church, but it's all across the nation. Discord, dissent, uh, total, uh, if you will, discombobulation of truth, a division of truth, a hatred for truth. These are the things that we must observe today. Dealing with history, dealing with real history, dealing with facts versus fiction, dealing with all the political, if you will, menstruations that have come forth from Washington, particularly from the corrupt media and academia as well. So with all of this, all of this in mind, folks, and I take it to heart. These are very important times, very critical times. These are very trying times. 
Let us dispel the lies. Let us shine the light on the truth. Bring forth the facts. Expose that which is dishonest and darkness all around us. I'm bringing back today on the 77th anniversary, is it, of the Pearl Harbor attacks. And I'm bringing him back today because he's been with us, I think, since the very beginning. Thomas K. Kimmel, folks. And in case you don't know who he is, Thomas K. Kimmel, as I've said, has been with us for a long time. He is the eldest living grandson of Admiral Husband E. Kimmel, who, along with General Walter Short, were the two men held blamable for the beginning of World War II at the bases in Hawaii uh, that were attacked and uh, on December 7, 1941. And we would uh, have had him on on the anniversary itself, but, of course, uh, Tom has some previous engagements and uh, future engagements. But today, he reserved this time for us because, my friends, there's a lot of new information on that uh, at that attack. But what led up to the attack and the cover-up that followed is certainly very timely, considering all that's going on now with what is happening in Washington concerning the so-called Mueller investigation, uh, people uh, like James Comey and a host of others involved in this nefarious business of deep state. And it is deep state. Bring him up. Here he is, Thomas K. Kimmel. Hello, Tom. Hey, Rick. Have you got me? I got you. I'm hearing you. Can you hear us good? Yeah, loud and clear. Uh... Thank you very much. Marvelous uh, introduction. Uh, I've got to figure out a way to incorporate that in some of my uh, public presentations. And it's a, marvelous, <laughs> it's a marvelous way for me to start. And if I might... Well, where I do we like start? To... Um, I'm going to let you do most of the talking, believe it or not. I know I, I tend to interrupt <laughs> a lot. But I, I have to keep the flow moving, and we have commercial breaks. But I, I know it's been just about one year since you were on here. Uh, I understand and... that. I also understand that I better get the most important stuff said early yes. because uh, there's so much new that I can't uh, get it all in one show. So let me start. I, I just I just want you to begin by, for the sake of always new listeners that we have here at RBN, just give us a thumbnail brief sketch about how it all began with your grandfather and uh, Walter Short um, of the Army and uh, where, this, where this whole thing started for you personally as well as your grandfather. So here it goes. Tell us how it started. <laughs> okay, well, let's see. I'll try and make it as brief as possible. Of course, uh, Admiral Kimmel was the Commander-in-Chief of the Pacific Fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7th, uh, 1941. Uh, nine days after the attack, the President of the United States selected a sitting Supreme Court Associate Justice to uh, investigate the matter. Ten days after the attack, Admiral Kimmel and General Short, the head of the Army Hawaiian Command, were fired and replaced. Eleven days after the Pearl Harbor attack, Justice Roberts, Supreme Court Associate Justice Roberts, began his deliberations. He deliberated for a grand total of 36 days. Forty-seven days after the Pearl Harbor attack, he uh, filed his report with the President of the United States, who signed it and immediately gave it to the press because Chairman Roberts found that Admiral Kimmel and General Short were solely blamable for the success of the Japanese attack and derelict in their duty 
and that the Washington High Command, mainly meaning Secretary of War Stimson, Secretary of State Cordell Hall, the President, of course, the head of the Army, General Short, and the head of the Navy, Admiral Stark, all fulfilled their obligations. That was it. 47 days after the Pearl Harbor attack, end of the story, soup to nuts. And it would have been the end of the story, except a year and a half later, 1944, February, as a matter of fact, the head of Naval Communications Intelligence, uh, Captain Lawrence Safford, secretly on his own at great personal risk to himself, went to visit my grandfather in New York, living in disgrace, wondering what in the world he had failed to uh, understand. Captain Safford, unannounced, knocked on Admiral Kimmel's door and said uh, he'd <laughs> identified himself and said, Admiral Kimmel, did you have available to you in Hawaii the same information we had available to us prior to the Pearl Harbor attack in the Office of Naval Intelligence that gave us indications of the time, place, reason, and deceit plan to cover the Pearl Harbor attack from a secret program that we called MAGIC, which was the decoding of all Japanese coded material, a program we called MAGIC. Admiral Kimmel, did you have that material available to you prior to the Pearl Harbor attack as we had it available to us in the Office of Naval Intelligence? Admiral Kimmel turned to Captain Safford and said, Captain Safford, what in the world are you talking about? Stunned, Admiral Kimmel continued, what is magic? Captain Safford explained. After Kimmel heard that, he got himself legal representation out of Boston. He filed a, a, a petition uh, to the uh, um, uh, Naval Affairs Committee. Uh, the Naval Affairs Committee was so impressed with what they read, they uh, ordered the Army and the Navy through a full Congress to conduct further investigations. Otherwise, there would have been no further investigation of the Pearl Harbor attack 47 days after the attack. After that, eight more investigations occurred, all of during Admiral Kimmel's lifetime, long lifetime, he deceased in 1968. <laughs> all eight of those subsequent investigations were caused to occur by Admiral Kimmel using the information that he got from Captain Safford. Uh, I'm going to bring you up to date on what's happened after that, but that's the gist of the matter. But I have a very personal note that I would like to interject right now, and that is a tribute to my friend, recently deceased, Admiral James Ace Lyons. He deceased earlier this week at 90 years old, he lost his wife a month before. He has been a great friend advancing the Pearl Harbor story when he first heard about it, seriously, in mm -hmm. 2004. A little bit of background on that. Captain Vince Colon was a signalman, first-class signalman on the USS San Francisco when Admiral Kimmel was the head of the cruiser division. Admiral Kimmel got to know Vince Cohen when he was an enlisted first-class signalman very well because in those days, the command center was what they called flag plot. The commands were issued through signal flags. At any rate, Vince Cohen 
carried the torch for Admiral Kimmel for some 60 years. Vince Coleman later became a Mustang. He uh, became an officer. He, he retired as a captain in the Navy. He uh, won a Silver Star at Guadalcanal. At any rate, in 2004, he called me up and said, Tommy, what we're doing is not working. This is the idea of advancing Kimmel on the retired list. What we've got to do is pick at the White House. Well, when I heard that, I couldn't have been more shocked if Captain Colin had asked me to storm the Bastille. But at any rate, I wasn't going to let this man, now 90 years old, go up there and pick at the White House by himself. So I went with him back to Admiral Lyons. We had a kiosk on 15th Street in Washington, D.C., associated with our picketing exercise. Admiral Lyons just happened to walk into my life on 15th Street, 2004, because he saw the kiosk, and he saw that this was a matter about Admiral Kimmel, and he wanted to know what it was all about. I explained it to him. Admiral Lyons found out from me that in 1991, 36 four-star admirals had signed a petition, an endorsement, a resolution, a letter to President Bush 41, recommending that President Bush nominate Kimmel and Short to their highest-held temporary ranks in World War II. Admiral Lyons found out about that, and he said, I want to be a signatory on that letter. Of course, I made him a signatory on that letter in 2004. So the 36th Admiral's letter to President Bush in 1991 became the 37th Admiral's letter to President Bush, amended in 2004. Admiral Lyons uh, was a former commander-in-chief of the Pacific Fleet, and to, almost to the day he died, he was a stalwart patriot uh, who ran a very interesting uh, column in the Washington Times. He was remarkably active until he was 90 years old. At any rate, Admiral Lyons, I salute you. Thank you for your steadfast, unwavering, unflagging efforts in my grandfather's behalf. Thank you, sir. Yes, very good tribute. And uh, he's not the only one, as you have repeatedly said on these programs. There were quite a few who uh, did, uh, some cases, stick their neck out and put their reputation on the line, uh, becoming politically uh, incorrect, may I say, in defending your grandfather. But more than that, just defending the truth, and this is what I open with, you know, is defending the facts. Uh, you know, it would have been one thing had your grandfather actually been guilty of dereliction of duty at uh, the base in Hawaii. It would have been another thing had uh, General Short done the same thing. But, in fact, they were deliberately, intentionally denied the uh, information that was uncovered by Operation Magic, as you said in opening. So these men were perfectly innocent doing their job, and yet they were considered, well, the, uh, you know, the Benedict Arnolds, if you will, of the beginning of uh, America's entry into uh, World War II. So uh, there were others who did come to his defense, uh, and I, I think you can you can just imagine the number of them. We, we won't uh, spend a lot of time on their names, but just uh, wanted to make that known. Well, Rick, uh, if, uh, if it's appropriate right now, I would like to give my update on what I have been doing uh, to advance the uh, Admiral Kimmel matter. Um, yes. 
by all means. Again, this is an important thing to get across, and I like to do it with, so I don't run the risk of running out of time here. So here it is. Uh, in 1987, my dad and my uncle, both deceased now, petitioned the Board for Correction of Naval Records to remove injustice. They, what they were seeking was administrative action to remove injustice in their father's case, Admiral Kimmel. This was in 1987. The Board for Correction of Naval Records erroneously and inappropriately administratively closed my uncle and my dad's petition shortly thereafter without hearing the merits of the matter. And there it stood. In 1991, I found out that the Army Board for Correction of Military Records heard a petition from General Short's son, Colonel Short. The Army Board for Correction of Military Records actually heard the merits of the matter, and they recommended the relief requested, which was advancement of General Short on the retired list to his highest-held temporary rank in World War II. That would be Lieutenant General. But the Army Board for Correction of Military Records recommendation was overturned at, by higher authority in the Army Department without without an alternative finding of facts. Okay, that's uh, 1991. Nineteen years later, 2010, the Air Force Board for Correction of Military Records, here's the matter of General John Lavelle. I find out about this. John Lavelle was the head of the 7th Air Force, I believe it was, in Vietnam. He was accused of illegally <clears throat> shooting at <clears throat> surface-to-air missile sites in North Vietnam. There was a big to-do in the New York Times about this, and the Air Force decided the quickest way to solve this problem was to cashier <clears throat> General, four-star General Lavelle. So he was cashiered out of the Air Force. His son found out later through the Watergate tapes that actually President Nixon himself had authorized General Lavelle to conduct these raids. So he filed a petition with the Air Force Board for Correction of Military Records. The Air Force Board for Correction of Military Records heard the matter, agreed, <clears throat> recommended the relief requested, which was advancement of John Lavelle posthumously on the retired list of four stars again. It went to the Secretary of the Air Force. He agreed. It went to the Secretary of Defense. He agreed. It went on to President Obama. He agreed. President Obama sent it to the Senate Armed Services Committee, and the Senate Armed Services Committee let the matter lapse. <clears throat> they didn't exactly deny it, but the effect was the same. They would not rule on the nomination. So now the whole matter had to go back to the White House, and there it has remained ever since. Okay. Fast forward now to 2017. I put all of these three pieces together, and I realize that the Board for Correction of Naval Records 30 years before had committed obvious error by not hearing the merits of my dad and my uncle's petition. So I filed an updated petition in 2017. <clears throat> of course, 
the Board for Correction and Naval Records realized that they indeed made an error by not listening to the merits 30 years before. And they agreed to hear the merits of my petition. In 2018 now... All right, pause there. We'll get to 2018 after this commercial break. We will return with you, Thomas K. Kimmel, in just a moment. Folks, listen up. It's too important not to. Rick Adams, Uncensored. We'll be right back. Folks, we're living in a world the likes of which we've never perceived any clearer than we do now. The plan for global governance has been in the works for generations and would have likely been achieved by now but for the fact that the globalists left open their Achilles heel. With all their tools, Federal Reserve System, fiat currency, no child left behind, and then common core education introduced to our schools to dumb us down, vaccines, pharmaceuticals to lobotomize us, GMO foods, insertion of compromised or bought and paid for politicians, judges, mainstream media propaganda, all pieced together like a puzzle designed to ultimately bring the world under submission. But with all their strategy, they forgot one thing, knowledge. And knowledge is power. With knowledge, their bombardment is nullified. Folks, with that, as brilliant and knowledgeable as you've become, among the wisest audience of any radio audience in the world, and you are, I want you to take a moment to reflect and ask yourself, how much of that knowledge did I obtain from Republic Broadcasting Network? How high has my consciousness been raised since I've been a listener? How fast am I now able to discriminate truth from fake news by being a Republic Broadcasting listener? How clear am I now able to see the world since I've been listening to RBN? Ask yourselves those questions, folks. Then ask yourself, what is that knowledge worth to me? Like my morning coffee, how would I survive without it? A voice of truth and a sea of lies. Do we not all need to make sure it survives? Like public broadcasting, we are now finding we can only survive with listener support. Censorship, advertisers being attacked, truth itself being attacked. It's the only way through this. We at Republic Broadcasting humbly ask you to become a supporter. Look at your budget and make a determination of what Republic Broadcasting is worth to you and what you can afford on a monthly basis. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and pledge 20, 30, 40, 50, if possible, 100 a month or more if it's affordable. Click the Donate button and become a regular monthly donor. Assure both us and yourself that Republic Broadcasting Truth will continue to flow like that morning coffee. The network thanks you. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. Get back at him with Rick Adams, the Radio Avenger, on the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
All right, folks, we've just uh, completed the first segment with Tom Kimmel. Now, Tom, you're going to get right into your efforts uh, in 2018. Go ahead. Yeah. The uh, Board for Correction of Naval Records, as I was uh, discussing earlier, by agreeing to hear my petition in 2017, effectively admitted error in 1987 when they dismissed my dad and uncle's petition. In 2018 now, I was told the board would probably meet on April 26, 2018, and probably make a recommendation then. I prepared a presentation for the board and requested to give it to the board in person when they met because I was not notified that the board did meet in April of 2018. I prepared an updated presentation for them in June. In August now, four months after the board was to meet, I was advised that the board did meet in April 2018 and made its recommendation that day, and that my petition now rested in the office of the Assistant Secretary of the Navy and had been for about three weeks. Of course, disappointed, to say the least, and now knowing that I would not be permitted to appear before the board in person, as I had requested several times, I immediately posted to my website and to YouTube both of my presentations. As of this recording, I have not been permitted to know what the recommendation of the board was, and I don't even know who the board members were. All this, of course, Rick, seems to me to be somewhat analogous to Admiral Kimmel's situation in 1944 when the Naval Court of Inquiry virtually exonerated him, but the Navy Department refused to release any part of the Naval Court of Inquiry's report. In a sense, I'm even in worse shape than Admiral Kimmel was, because Admiral Kimmel at least knew who the members of the Naval Court of Inquiry were, even though the Navy Department would not release the Naval Court of Inquiry's report. So that's where we stand right now. I'm, of course, still awaiting some action on my petition, which I understand will be forthcoming. But now, since I submitted it, it's been over a year and a half. And so we wait. Why the uh, seeming cloak of secrecy on uh, who was on the board and uh, all of the dates affiliated with it? Why weren't you notified as you should have been? Uh, I wish I knew. I do not no know. I do not know. Yeah, well, I, I think it could have been handled a little bit better than that. And frankly, though, of course, all of this uh, petition business is secondary to my goal, uh, my family's goal, and most definitely Admiral Kimmel's goal. He didn't give a hoot about this administrative action to remove uh, perceived injustice on, uh, in his part. What, uh, what he wanted to do was to expose the facts uh, to the American public of uh, the Pearl Harbor story. And uh, that's what I really want to do, and I'm all set to proceed in that fashion. Well, I, I, I think it's important you do because, uh, as I alluded to in the beginning of the introduction, you know, now 
with the uh, Trump administration coming in in the last couple of years, never before has there been more focus, more attention given to the idea of deep state. And uh, deep state is just another name for intel and another name for, well, if you want to call it maybe the sixth or seventh estate <laughs> following the media, um, which, of course, are part of the estate, which are, you know, part of the corruption. Uh, and uh, I don't want to go into a long detail on that, but just to whet the appetite of our, our listeners now more than ever, Tom, I think people are more receptive to knowing just how scurrilous the administration was in 1941 and what took place leading up to Pearl Harbor and the communications that were secret communications, as you know, between Roosevelt, Churchill and Stalin, of all things, uh, in trying to get the American people uh, conjured up for war through the back door. And that back door would have been Pearl Harbor. Uh, you know, those uh, those vile Japanese critters, you know. Uh, we, uh, we certainly can understand, you know, uh, uh, Europe uh, being antagonistic toward the United States. That's bad enough. But when the old slanty eyes start doing it, it's time to go to war. So Roosevelt and uh, Stimson and Marshall and all of these characters then definitely were uh, involved in a major conspiracy. And when we come back, I want you to begin the ball and tell us not only what they did, but the update. So, Tom, you sit still. We're going to come back, and we'll have a whole big span of time to talk. All right, folks, we'll be back with Tom Kimmel, Rick Adams on Central. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Hello, I'm Dr. Leonard Horowitz. I was right 30 years ago in warning the world about threatening lab virus outbreaks, AIDS, and Ebola. I was right 20 years ago when FBI Director Robert Mueller made me a suspect in the anthrax mailings because I warned the Bureau before the CIA's biocrime and Cipro sales psyops happened. I was right about COVID-19 being an AIDS-laced mutagen plan to resurge this fall to excuse officials' profitable depopulation globalization agendas. And I was right about the only safeguards being antioxidants and holy spiritual sustenance. Vitamin C, D, zinc, chlorophyll, oxygen, and oxysilver especially transmits the frequency resonance to neutralize the expanded function bioweapon. Oxysilver is a double superconductor of the healing power of love. It is the first nutraceutical invented to amplify prayer power and the faithful loving intention of your heart. Buy, try, and stockpile oxysilver through HealthyWorldStore.com. The reviews for Extendivite are amazing. Here are some from Amazon. September 2018. Extendivite works in keeping my blood pressure in the normal range. I've been using Extendivite for many years now. May 2018. Great product. I use regularly and I rarely get sick. March 2018. This product has relieved what appeared to be angina pain in my chest and shortness of breath after climbing stairs. I'm quite happy about it. February 2018. My husband, son, and I have been using this product for a few months now, and we have noticed an improvement in our joints and blood pressure. Tell us your story. Get Extendivite today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. 
928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with ExtendoVite. Is your property a financial burden and causing you grief? Have you tried to sell but can't find buyers? Or are you just too busy to sell your property? Don't worry. We have the right solution for you. We buy properties as is, with cash, close in 30 days, and pay all closing costs. Our service is ideal for property owners who are in pre-foreclosure, have high-end repair costs, experiencing financial hardship, going through costly divorces, are relocating, need cash for retirement, suffering family loss, or have tax liens. Whatever your situation may be, we can help you sell your property and get the money you need. If you own a single-family home or multiple-family units, call us for a free consultation at 888-910-1037. That's 888-910-1037. Or visit our website at cashingproperty.com. That's cashingproperty.com. Sell your property fast and leave all your worries behind. with Tom, and uh, we're going to let him give us a thumbnail sketch of uh, the latest in his endeavor to accomplish the Pearl Harbor story unveiled. So, Tom, go right ahead. Start now. I'm going to tell you two stories about General Marshall, the chief of staff of the Army, the head of the Army, since 1939. The first story merely sets up the more important second story. But the first story is as follows. It comes from the Reader's Digest, January of 1944, written by Frederick Payton, who was one of 60 war correspondents that listened to General Marshall give a briefing in Algiers in 1944. He wrote it up in... Uh, uh, Reader's Digest, and it's a gem. Let me uh, let me quote it. It starts: A door opened, a hush fell. General Marshall walked in. He looked around the room, his eyes calm, his face impassive. To save time, he said, "I'm going to ask each of you what questions you have in mind." His eyes turned to the first correspondent. What's your question? A penetrating query was put. General Marshall nodded and went on to the next man, and so around the room until 60 correspondents had asked challenging questions, ranging from major strategy to technical details of the war on a dozen fronts. General Marshall looked off into space for perhaps 30 seconds. Then he began. For nearly 40 minutes he spoke. His talk was a smooth, connected brilliantly clear narrative that encompassed the war. And this narrative, smooth enough to be a chapter in a book, included a complete answer to every question we had asked. But what astounded us most was this. As he reached the point in his narrative, which dwelt upon a specific question, he looked directly at the man who had asked the question. Afterward, I heard many comments from the correspondents. Some said they had just encountered the greatest military mind in history. Others exclaimed over the encyclopedic detail Marshall could remember. 
all agreed on one thing. That's the most brilliant interview I have ever attended. Mm. Okay. Good enough. Let's uh, compare General Marshall's remarkable performance in 1942 with his performances testifying before the Army Pearl Harbor Board in 1944 and the Joint Congressional Committee in 1945. Mr. Keefe, Congressman Keefe of the Joint Congressional Committee, interrogating General Marshall at the Joint Congressional Committee. General Russell of the Army Pearl Harbor Board asked you this question, General Marshall. In this letter of February 7, 1941, General Marshall, the statement is made by you to General Short that the risk of sabotage and the risk involved in a surprise raid by air and by submarine constitute the real perils of the situation. Did anything, General Marshall, that occurred between the date of this letter, February 7, 1941, and the attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, cause you to change in any way that estimate of the situation in Hawaii? General Marshall responded in 1944 to General Russell in the Army Pearl Harbor Board, nothing occurred. General Marshall responded in 1946 the same way to Congressman Keith. That is correct. Nothing occurred. That is still my view. Okay. What we have come to learn was that in 1950, Anson Baldwin, a famous historian, wrote... what he called a profound catalog of error. 22 days before the Pearl Harbor attack, Anson Baldwin attributed to a, an extremely high-ranking individual in the Pentagon, but he didn't identify who the spokesman was. He quoted and paraphrased General Marshall. We were on the brink of war with Japan. If a Pacific War started, there would not be much need for our Navy. The U.S. bombers could do the trick virtually single-handed. Or to paraphrase the spokesman's words, without the use of our shipping, our own Pacific fleet would stay out of the range of Japanese air power in Hawaii. Mm. It went on. This information the spokesman said, will be allowed to leak to the Japanese privately. If it got out publicly, Japan would be in a position to demand war immediately before we were better informed. Okay. Now, what we have found recently through uh, the various libraries of uh, Syracuse University um, Emma, uh, let's see, uh, Johns Hopkins and uh, VMI, which was the alma mater for General Marshall, yeah. we have found this out. General Marshall secretly briefed seven members of the press on November 15, 1941, 
the seven members of the press were from Time, Newsweek, the New York Times, the New York Herald Tribune, United Press, Associated Press, and the International News Service. One of the correspondents, Robert Sherrod of Time Magazine, contemporaneously that day wrote his report on what Marshall had said. But we didn't find out that Marshall was actually the spokesman until 1964. Marshall, according to Sherrod, Marshall is saying, we have access to a leak in all the information they, the Japanese, are receiving concerning our military preparations, especially in the Philippines. In other words, we know what they know about us, and they don't know that we know it. His memorandum continued. The grand strategy does not include the use of much naval force. Marshall indicates that he believes the U.S. bombers can do the trick against Japan's naval strength and against Japanese cities without the use of our shipping. The danger period is the first 10 days of December, Marshall said. If we get by that, we'll be okay until February. By then, MacArthur will have plenty in the Philippines. Another correspondent attendee, Ernest Lindley, he wrote his remembrance of the briefing by Marshall. And he, paraphrasing Marshall, said, our aim is to blanket the whole Japanese area with air power. Our own fleet, meanwhile, will remain out of range of Japanese air power at Hawaii. Well, consider this. Sherrod identified his source as Marshall in 1964. Admiral Kimmel deceased in 1968. Yeah, I have Hanson Baldwin's book from Admiral Kimmel. It was Admiral Kimmel's book. It's a pretty good bet that Admiral Kimmel never knew that Marshall was that spokesman that Hanson Baldwin was referring to. I found out recently that Hanson Baldwin wrote to General Marshall and asked General Marshall if he could attribute these comments to him. General Marshall. And Marshall came back and said, in effect, no. Marshall's role in the secret conference 22 days before the Pearl Harbor attack was never known to Admiral Kimmel. Admiral Kimmel in his book said, I now believe that the Washington newspaper correspondents and the editors of our leading newspapers were much more accurately informed of the seriousness of the situation than were the commanders at uh-huh. Pearl Harbor. Uh-huh. Kimmel continued in his book, 1954 book, Admiral Kimmel's story. No one has ever explained why the weaknesses so clearly described in the Secretary of the Navy's letter of 24 January 1941 were permitted to continue during all these months at this outlying station whose security was vital to the safety of the fleet and of the United States. Well, 
Rick Marshall's secret conference would suggest an explanation. The man with overall responsibility for the defense of the fleet while it was in Pearl Harbor, Marshall, thought the fleet would stay out of the range of Japanese air power in Hawaii. Marshall, in May 1941, in a May 1941 aid memoir, stated that Hawaii would be defended by 35 of our most modern flying fortresses, the B-17s. But on December 7, 1941, General Short had but six. On May of 1941, Marshall stopped 14 B-17s of the most modern type, earmarked for Hawaii, and told Secretary of War Stimson that it would not affect the impregnability of Hawaii. Of 180 long-range bombing planes authorized by the War Department, in 1941, only 12 had arrived, and of these, six were out of commission as they had been stripped of vital parts to enable other planes of similar type to continue their flight to their destination in the Philippines. Of 100 Navy patrol planes, Authorized for the 14th Naval District at Pearl Harbor, not one had arrived prior to the Pearl Harbor attack. Of course, in July of 1941, Kimmel <laughs> wrote to Admiral Stark, the Chief of Naval Operation, protesting the supplying of our aircraft to the Russians when our own deficiencies are so great. Right. This, of course... This, of course, led to uh, another epiphany, on, uh, to my thinking. In a recorded conversation by Marshall's biographer, I should say, uh, historiographer, uh, Forrest Pogue, Marshall said Hopkins' job with the president was to represent the Russian interests. My job was to represent the American interest. Well, what are we to make of this? Well, apparently, Hopkins, at least, was doing his job. Major General Melvin Moss, United States Marine Corps, and later a Minnesota congressman, he wrote that when 250 patrol aircraft were produced and Washington ordered them sent to Britain, admirals protested to President Roosevelt, who referred them to Harry Hopkins. Hopkins received them as he lay in bed, nonchalantly smoking a cigarette. He listened to them and then told them the interview was over and that he had already made the allocation. Admiral Kimmel told Congressman Moss, Major General Melvin Moss, (laughs) that if those 250 patrol planes had been sent to Hawaii, the December 7 attack could never have succeeded and probably would never have been Attempted. Okay. The last note. Kimmel also said, I shall always regret that the Joint Congressional Committee rules prevented his counsel, Charles Rugg, from examining witnesses. (coughs) Kimmel was confident that a much clearer picture would have resulted had he been permitted to do so. So my question is, why did Kimmel say that? He said that because the only tribunal that accorded Kimmel the opportunity to defend himself 
by allowing his counsel, Charles Rugg, to call and cross-examine witnesses resulted in his vindication. And, of course, I'm talking about the Naval Court of Inquiry. Right. Kimmel's comment would have been even more appropriate had he been referring to the kid gloves treatment the Army Pearl Harbor Board provided General Marshall. Marshall testified three times to the Army Pearl Harbor Board. Each time, questions were submitted to him in advance in writing. Twice the Army Pearl Harbor Board went to his office for his testimony, and the last time he testified, no follow-up questions were allowed. In the first appearance, again, as I said, written questions were provided to Marshall in advance, the interview took place in Marshall's office, and suddenly Marshall declared, I have got to go. I've got something that just won't wait. So he walks out on the Army Pearl Harbor Board. That would have been the end of the story of the Army Pearl Harbor Board as far as Marshall was concerned, except a few days later, Admiral Kimmel testified before the Army Pearl Harbor Board <coughs> and was asked the pervasive question at the end, as all good investigators should ask those being interrogated. Have you got anything that's relative and material to this investigation, Admiral Kimmel, that has not been brought out by the questions? And Kimmel said he had, and he had a statement to make. And, of course, the statement that he made was that vital information important to a finding of the Army Pearl Harbor Board is being withheld from the Army Pearl Harbor Board. A marvelous description of this is in uh, Army Pearl Harbor Board members, member General Russell's book, 2001 book, believe it or not, called Pearl Harbor Story. It was a book he wrote in 1946, and it is a marvelous description of what actually happened at the Army Pearl Harbor Board by a principal. It's probably the last real principal account that we have in the Pearl Harbor Story. <laughs> Second appearance <laughs> by Marshall which was uh, a, a, a cause to occur only because Kimmel had raised uh, the flag that the Army Pearl Harbor Board was being uh, prevented from hearing material that was important for their decision. And of course, he was talking about magic. The Army Pearl Harbor Board had been completely denied magic at the order of uh, General Marshall, who did everything he could to keep magic out of the Army Pearl Harbor Board, just as General as Admiral Stark did everything he could to keep uh, magic out of the Naval Court of Inquiry. I wonder why. <laughs> oh, boy. I, 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 can't, I can't disparage their wonderful altruistic motive, though, can I? All right, we'll come back with Tom Kimmel, and we're going to continue this journey, folks, and very important because it relates to now. What would you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company, and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly! The new Ease-Off Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Ease-Off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive! Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease-Off? 
It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com, and hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419. Ladies and gentlemen, J.R. Moore here. As most of you know, my regular listeners, I offer energy cleaners for sale at my website. If you don't have a clue what I'm talking about, go to my website, thelibertyman.com, educate yourself about these marvelous healing devices. We focus on pain mitigation and getting a great night's sleep. Arthritis pain, joint pain, back pain, doesn't matter. Keep in mind, I offer for me to you personally a 30-day money-back Guaranteed. That's what I do. Energy cleaners, $285 shipping included to American zip codes. You can educate yourself all about the energy cleaner right there at my website, the patent application, the wonderful testimonials. Be sure and check out the factory-made fitted mattress pads to go with the energy cleaner. Now, I offer for me to you personally a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's what I do. I have a toll-free order line, or you can order it right at my website at thelibertyman.com. The toll-free order line is 800 800- Five nine two nine five four three. I say again, eight hundred five nine two nine five four three. Thank you. Many people write us about their experience with Extendivite. Allow me to read you some from Amazon.com. This product is superb. I have been taking it for about a year now, and I can feel my cardiovascular system run like a Swiss watch. I definitely recommend this product for anyone that has high cholesterol high blood pressure, and heart palpitations, A+. It's potent, but it works. I have been waking up for the past three years with numb hands, and a week into using Extendivite, my numb hands seem to have cleared up. My circulation was off, and now it's back on track. So I'm happy. I feel so energized, and I have my husband on it now. My mother-in-law has cholesterol problems, so I bought her a bottle as well. Thank you so much. Love the product. Tell us your story. Get Extendivite today. Call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Don't feel like the Lone Ranger. You've got the Radio Avenger on your side. back now, folks, and uh, time is getting by. I just uh, want to interject here. Thomas K. Kimmel, of course, a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy, and he comes from a family, I guess, going back to the, uh, the war between the states and beyond that, even, uh, in uh, service in the military, as well as having been a former FBI agent himself, for those who haven't heard Tom before. So, Tom, um, this uh, to me, this whole thing, Sounds a little bit, maybe, I'm naive, you know, I'm playing Mr. Naive on the street. It sounds like there is an agenda here that it's not just a matter of incompetence or lack of memory or poor manners or a recalcitrant uh, press. It looks as if there's key figures in this administration that are working to bring America into the war and then provide for two fall guys to take the rap. Does that sound a little bit odd or conspiratorial too much so for you? 
Well, even less so now that we know of Marshall's profound catalog of error. Marshall wanted Mm. to keep that profound catalog of error as out of the public domain as possible. And here's my last thought on Marshall before I move on to Chief of Naval Operations Stark. Admiral Kimmel wrote in 1962, code-breaking information, which was denied to the Hawaiian commanders, was supplied to the American commanders in the Philippines and to the British. Well, what we now know is that neither Kimmel nor any Pearl Harbor investigation knew that code-breaking information virtually identified as such by Marshall was also supplied to reporters by General Marshall 22 days before the Pearl Harbor attack. (laughs) The proceeding notwithstanding, Marshall repeatedly testified as to the utmost importance in protecting the secret of our ability to read Japanese codes. (laughs) Too secret, Rick, to reveal to Kimmel or to Short or to the Army Pearl Harbor Board or to the Naval Court of Inquiry, but not too secret, apparently, to reveal to reporters 22 days before the Pearl Harbor attack. (laughs) Right, and this is something that's new to me and new to our audience, and uh, it goes to prove you learn more and more every time you dig deeper, um, as well as I think you left out one thing, and that was the Soviet component here, right? Uh, Well, yeah, that takes on an entirely uh, different presentation. I have a couple of presentations on just that fact alone. (laughs) <laughs> they had magic, though, right? They also were given magic, everything, were they? Well, there are oh, indications yeah. that they had access to magic. Okay. Uh, those indications come uh, from uh, a defector who gave us the information that Harry Hopkins uh, was the most important agent that the Soviets had in World War II and that uh, Stalin had access to magic. Yeah, there you go. That, that all ties together, folks. All right, end of hour number one. We're going to begin right away in just a couple of minutes, Tom, with hour number two. So we're going to advance uh, to Admiral Stark, and we're going to continue the saga of the story uh, within the story, folks. History that you're not supposed to know. Rick Adams, uncensored here on republicbroadcasting.org. <laughs> 